Hello and welcome to episode 14 of All's Fair in Love and Film, a film review podcast where we go through our DVD collection in alphabetical order, reviewing each one as we go. I'm Laura. And I'm Ryan. And this week we're covering uh, 1997's Anastasia, directed by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Ryan, what's your history with this film? Um, To be honest, the first time I saw this film was like in like, actually quite soon after it came out like i i think it was like 1998 i remember seeing it as a kid um i remember it i remember seeing it around the same time as uh, a little mermaid which i think was also around the same time and i actually like i i i remember i i don't really know what i remember from this film as a kid other than bartok i remember him being like the main takeaway for the uh, from this film of this film for me yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And he's, you know, put in there to take off that kind of the the more serious edge to this film and to appeal to like a younger audience. And yeah. uh, you're right in saying that it's around the same time as Little Mermaid. It was actually released the same Thanksgiving weekend as The Little Mermaid was oh, in 1977. Wow. 19, 1977? God, 1997, obviously. Um, I'm really similar. I don't remember a time when I didn't know about this film. Like, me and my sister used to watch it all the time. We had it on VHS as kids, and we watched that VHS over and over and over and over and over. And then the reason that it is in our DVD collection is I, when I studied history at college, we did the Russian Revolution and also British media from 1945 to 54. Oh, no, it was 1954 to now. I don't know. It was British media being crazy and doing things. Anyway, so I bought this DVD and also the film noir film Gilda because we were recommended Gilda for the British media module and we wanted to watch Anastasia because it's loosely related to the Russian Revolution. So me and a friend had a sleepover where we double-billed those movies and I still have both DVDs from from then. So I've had this DVD for about 10 years now. Both are great films. So. Uh, I didn't really like Gilda, but we'll get to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, this has been like one of my favorite films. Me and my sisters all know all the words of the songs. Me and my older sister could probably recite it verbatim. It's it's This film has been like a huge part of my life, to be honest. Yeah, I was gonna like as we were watching it, you were singing along to every little bit. It was it was like, oh, cool! Because I've got it in stereo. The soundtrack slaps. It's so good. I did not know that was a uh, was a term. <laughs> what slaps? Slaps. I've not I've never heard that before in, tonight. <laughs> it's good. Anyway, uh, I'm just gonna do a quick roundup of the plot for those who are unfamiliar with it, and we'll get right into our thoughts and feelings about this film. So, uh, the last surviving child of the Russian royal family joins two con men to reunite with her grandmother, the Dowager Empress, while the undead Rasputin seeks her death. Short but sweet. Yeah, very, very short, but yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it sums up the, the plot quite well, I think, because um, it, it's not a very complicated movie, but no. the kind of behind the scenes and like the inspirations and things for it are really, really interesting. So first and foremost, this film is obviously an alternate history based on um, the Russian Revolution where the Romanov 
royal family were all um, killed by the, you know, incoming government. And uh, there was a rumour at one point that one of the children may have escaped, that being Anastasia. And it was, you know, rumours were like floated around for a time. There's conspiracy theories abound about this subject. There was, um, oh, I can't remember her name or where this was. There was a woman in a men- mental institution for a long time, uh, sometime in the f- like 40s or 50s, yeah. who was claiming to be uh, Anastasia. And there were there were people who believed it and people who, you know, would swear to it this to this day. Well, and, I mean, um, th- they did find uh, her remains uh, a few years back, I thought. Yeah, they did. It was so I don't know what the actual because the um, the remains of the Romanov family were uh, thrown down a mine shaft after they were um, killed. And I don't know what the deal was. I can't remember if it was that they couldn't find her remains for a while or if she was like executed separately. There was like a rumor of that. And then there was all these factors and basically there was just a conspiracy basically a conspiracy theory saying that she may have survived and this film is kind of like an innocent facet that was born out of that weird conspiracy theory yeah yeah very much so and it it kind of like like i think it's yeah it's kind of like a sugar like a idealized like alternate reality effectively yeah for sure yeah of of that inter of that time i guess yeah i love how i've come from like oh, this was mine and my sister's favorite film and we know all the worst of the songs. To So this is based in conspiracy theories about the horrific events of the Russian Revolution within the span of five minutes. Well, I was going to say, like, there are other musicals like Evita that also kind of, like, really, really dark subject material, but ter- is turned into a musical. <laughs> yeah, because why not? Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. Like, I mean, Miss Saigon is another one of those. And to some extent, like Les Miserables. But there's a lot of musicals based in tragedy. But or I mean. Tragedy and or, or, or regicide or <laughs> some some aspect of uh, of either fighting, fighting oppression or a revolution, really. Well, yeah. Well, not just that. I mean, this one gets the full, you know, I would say Disney-fied, but it's not a Disney property. Or, well, Disney owns Fox now, so I guess it technically is a Disney property now. But, um, yeah, it, 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 this is, you know, conspiracies coming from the tragedy of the Russian Revolution, Disney-fied, <laughs> which is a bit crazy. But, hey, let's let's work with it. So, again, again, starting, like, straight at the top, the original, like, scripts for this film were based in much more kind of serious subject matter. Yeah, wasn't it dealing with a bit more of like communism rather than just like communism being the enemy? Yeah, I mean, they, which, I mean, think what you will of of this choice, but the original villain was meant to be like a Bolshevik police officer, like a police chief with a grudge against the royal family and a grudge against Anastasia. And that was, I think, thought to be a bit too real. (laughs) So it was better to make the villain you know a bit more tangible yeah well not just i think it's even less it's less tangible to be honest yeah sorry making him like a mythological person who you know he's still based on a real person as is anastasia as is the you know dowager empress and other characters like that but he's aspects of his real life are so close to you know mythology and fiction that he makes a good kind of 
fantasy villain. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I was gonna say he's he's more fantastical. Uh, yeah, that 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 was the word I had in my head, but I couldn't get out for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like again, I'll get into this a bit later. But his the performances by all of the actors, especially his, yeah. just slap on, in honestly, this movie. On point. Like so, like I I did not expect this great of a like casting. Like, yeah this for, film, for, for a film that was put out by fox at this time as well this film did really well i mean this is obviously one of their ones where they're trying this was a big attempt at hitting back at disney i think because it's like by this point you've got all your sort of disney renaissance movies you've got the little mermaid coming out the same weekend and that's you know the next big princess movie and disney are like hitting it out of the park pretty regularly by the late 90s after having a bit of a kind of terrible phase in the 80s and Fox are like scrambling to catch up. And I think this film is part of Fox's comeback strategy. Yeah, I, I will de- would definitely agree with that. But I do think that Fox didn't uh, get hit the same level as, as them. I mean, they did some things right by having a, by having a really good cast for the film. But they fell down on a lot of like the technical things that really make a Disney a, an animated Disney film from this period so rich and so like meaningful, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. It still doesn't like hit the standard of those kind of Disney Renaissance films, but I mean, it's a bloody good try. Yeah, it, it, it's it's the only one I can think of from this period that Fox did that was like actually like. I actually had any stain power as well. Hard same. I mean, this one has, it's become a real classic. I mean, again, it got robbed on its opening weekend because it was up against Ariel and well, The Little Mermaid and Flubber. This came out the same weekend as Flubber. Yep. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of, it was the same like Thanksgiving. So of like three family movies that people are going to go see, they're going to go see these kind of Disney properties that, are, you know, one's got Robin Williams and some green goo in and the other is, you know, it's a princess movie. Everyone's going to love that. So again, it just, a lot of this film story is bad timing. And I think it would have done a little bit, it, despite that, it's, got this it's really withstood the test of time you know it's it's now a broadway musical which you know not like there's only a couple of disney movies that have achieved that status whereas this one kind of hands down has has earned that and it just yeah i i really think this stands the test of time in a way that even some disney movies of the era don't yeah yeah i, I would agree with that i i, I just look something up mm. um did you know that Anastasia, Anastasia had a bigger budget than The Little Mermaid by huh. by nearly twenty million dollars? Well, I th- probably a lot of that went on cast. Yeah, probably, but like, I mean, The Little Mermaid had a pretty good cast as well. I mean, but I mean, not nearly as good as this cast. But like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess the 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 stars in the cast of Anastasia are a lot more est- like established actors of the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I think I think the kind of the opening sequence does a really good job of setting the tone. Oh, very much so. For this yeah. movie, you get a lot of exposition with the voiceover from the Dowager Empress, who's played by Angela Lansbury. Legend. Uh, who? Yeah, legend. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of very like, like adrenaline fueled, quite scary. Like it was this kind of nice dancing, giving her the music box scene, and then it's this, it's the um, the revolution, mm-hmm. and. I do think we have to suspend our disbelief here because I don't think I have the energy to get into a discussion of the reality of a servant releasing 
some of the <laughs> um, royal family during this insurrection. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> that, and also the, during this little, uh, during during that same kind of sequence, uh, the fact that like Anastasia like barely missed the train and like it the train wasn't going that fast, like the empress could have just hopped off for a second. Like I know, and just, dramatic, like that. That was just we like we can't quite reach each other. Like, why did she get on the train without her in the first place? <laughs> just like, uh. yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's got that quite intense like chasing. You you get introduced to Rasputin as the villain, and there's quite like styled much more malevolently at the beginning of the film than he is throughout. I think he's yeah, styled quite so. comedically. Still, you know, a lot of body horror and kind of scariness throughout, but. At this part, he's just scary. I remember yeah. being quite scared of that as a kid. And then there's the part where he like falls in the ice and is like trying to grab her ankle. And I always I found that quite harrowing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like I I was a bit like I know that this film was is, is is meant to be a little bit fantastical, but it's meant to be kind of grounded in some aspects of reality. Yeah. Like I do like the fact that the beginning bit did kind of establish that quite well. However, I do kind of think that like the setting that like I I know it was trying to be grounded in some reality, and I do kind of like get that like some of the sets, uh, the overall like sets in this in the scenes, they kind of were in some bits like the perspective didn't make sense, or like it, it just looked a little bit more fantastical in this kind of like su- supposed to be kind of like real tangible world. And that kind of like kind of threw me a bit. Does that make sense? See, I I think it actually does. For me, it's the opposite. It does that opening scene is the right level of seriousness that it links the fantastical story we're about to get with the you know history that this is linked to. However, realistically and tenuously that may that that may be, I think it for me it does a good job of kind of grounding that. Whereas obviously, as a child, I had no idea what the Russian Revolution was. Yeah. But um, it's still, I mean, it gives you like an idea of stakes, I suppose. But then at this point, we're supposed to believe she falls on the train, tr- uh, on the platform, hits her head on the ground and has amnesia. Yeah. Complete amnesia from this point. Yeah. I, I didn't, I'm not going to lie. I think that the amnesia thing was kind of a weak storytelling, dev- like pl- a weak plot device. It just kind of like, I get how it's it's kind of useful, like overall in the story, but it's just... I feel like the, like if they had kind of done this like oh you need to be quiet about who you are just kind of introduce this like like kind of like I feel like it would have been a better story if he was just kind of having to be covert about everything rather than it just being kind of like oh well it's just convenient she forgets who she is kind of thing. I think they have to make that the case because it's a kids film because if she knew who she was A someone would have killed her by that point. Yes. And B like it's too serious a story for her to be going into first St. Petersburg and then traveling to Paris, insisting to everybody around her that, you know, she knows who she is and that she's the Grand Duchess and for nobody to believe her. Yeah. That's a much more tragic story. I think her kind of finding herself as this kind of scrappy orphan and like proving herself in this uh, as just a regular person. And then like she she's able to in that way she's able to be born a princess but also have the very disney moment of becoming a princess as well yeah i i, I yeah i i, I get it's that. all it's marketing just, baby 
I get that. It, I don't know. It just does seem. I don't know. I feel like they they. I feel like something other than amnesia would have been. I don't know. Just a bit stronger. If we can suspend yeah. our disbelief enough to believe that a servant did not rise up with the revolution and instead released two of the royal family out of the servants' quarters to escape, we can suspend our disbelief enough to believe that she got amnesia for ten convenient years and then lost it very easily when she smelled peppermint oil. Um. <laughs> yeah. So I. We had some disagreements about the art style in this film because yeah. we get some we we transition from this really serious intro into a very comedic kind of song sequence, big like gr- crowd number flash mob style sequence. You know, we've got the guy who's so cold he's got icicles growing on his butt, and we've yeah. got all these very like comedic images. Um, but we also get some like scenes kind of going over you know, the cities and Petersburg scenes in the palace and everything like this. I really like the art style. It's all hand-drawn or hand-painted um, like animation here. But you had some qualms. I, I Again, I, I liked it, but it was like you don't... I guess when you're kind of going through a scene, you know, it because it's it's painted, it, you, you... Like you... I, like I guess when it's uh, the shot where it's kind of going over St. Petersburg, and it's like you expect the kind of perspective to move with the camera, you know, mm. it doesn't, and it kind of doesn't look right. It, it it just it I guess as somebody who really focuses on angles, you know, in photography and stuff and uh, doing uh, filmmaking, it just it does kind of like that is blatantly obvious to me Something and it that jumps out at yeah you. And, and it does kind of it it messes with how i kind of perceive what's going on in the scene i mean and you don't just get it in that's in the, like this scene but you like also in like the in, like some of the palace scenes because it, it just doesn't like you expect some kind of 3d kind of motion but you don't get that i mean i haven't watched any like disney movies from this era or any like hand-drawn disney movies in a really long time is this something that disney movies achieve where this film fails yes. or is it a like just a flaw in the art style that kind of bothers you specifically uh, no it, it is something that disney films definitely do achieve a little bit better like i can think of like the initial uh scene in like um uh lion king when it kind of zooms in you, mm. you you do get that those 3d elements like you you're it's it is a constant perspective okay but Fair it's, it's 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 just that bothers me, I guess. Yeah, no, see, I, I like, it, it didn't really bother me at all, but then I don't tend to have, like, as much of an eye for this kind of thing. What I thought they were trying to do was kind of show you as much as possible, because I think those, the scenery was really, like, heavily researched, is what yeah. I kind of took away. Everything was really detailed, especially the, like, interior and, and the exterior shots of the Winter Palace, and everything was, yeah, I think it was like, oh, we're going to make this look a bit weird and warped because we literally want to fit all of this into one frame um, uh, and things like that. So uh, possibly. Yeah, yeah, but I think, I guess they kind of only did, like, when they did that, they only did, like, one angle. Yeah, it was just like, one like, painted yeah, thing, I guess. Yeah, but but when you put that, like, when you kind of move the perspective of the camera, at, like, at, like the viewer, like, say... Uh, when they're in the um, they're in the pa- grand palace like the hall ballroom. ballroom, yeah. Um, when they kind of follow Anastasia when she like kind of does all of her turns, 
the like the the paint and on paintings of the wall one end kind of looks a lot more warped because it was definitely like uh when you're looking at head-on it looks a bit more warped because it was meant to be viewed from a specific angle uh. so th- that's where i'm kind of like it doesn't because they uh, they hand painted everything i think they because they only did one they had a, one mind with one shot they didn't actually I still, I mean, to be honest, yeah, maybe that there is a bit of a disconnect there, but I, it's it's so beautiful. I think this film is really aesthetically pleasing, like all the way through. the The scenery is absolutely gorgeous, and clearly, like a lot of work went into it. Um, but yeah, I, I again, it's it's not something that especially bothers me, but it's really interesting to like kind of know what you see when you look at stuff like that and speaking of the scene you're just referring to when she's like turning the the, the kind of dancing the once upon a december uh yeah. sequence probably my favorite scene in the whole film it's absolutely iconic and the song is beautiful like it i find that whole scene so moving and then oh, it's gorgeous yeah i think that's one of the most soulful songs in the whole, the whole it's film. it's the best song in the whole film i mean the soundtrack as i've said slaps but this is this one is just I don't even know how to describe it. It was one of the ones that, again, really stuck with me as a kid. Like my little, my little sister, my older sister's favorite film from this time was um, Beauty and the Beast. And so she loved the songs from that. But I mean, obviously we both loved this one, but this was my favorite kind of, kind of song from this era. And it's just, it, it holds up. It's so good. You, I can see why this was picked for a, like a Broadway yeah, adaptation. Yeah, I, I was about to say like, it, uh, it, this is the most Broadway, like, broadway yeah yeah i would say though absolutely robbed at awards season breaks my heart because like it it was nominated for best soundtrack it was nominated for best soundtrack and it lost or like best original song i think for once for once upon a december not best soundtrack so yeah it was just for best original song guess what it lost to what my heart will go on from titanic yeah. it was robbed that song is terrible but i mean i get the point it's you know titanic is this huge budget like everyone's resources was poured into it kind of thing but looking at kind of actual musical achievement between the two i would honestly say that once upon december is a better song yeah i mean i mean i feel like they're both pretty good songs but i like i do like this song better to be honest but yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's but, better. Yeah. And um, I just like had another comment about kind of accolades and awards and stuff because we're coming up on awards season again. Everything's getting like loads of nominations. Um, obviously, Hamilton's getting a ton of like nominations, which, woo, go Hamilton. But something that kind of has cropped up a lot for me recently that I was I, like... I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm all over Instagram. I follow a lot of movies and I follow like a lot of other things like that on Insta and artists and stuff on Instagram. And it always baffles me that musicals and comedy are in the same genre because the other award that this film was, the other Academy Award that this film was nominated for was for Best Musical Slash Comedy and it lost to The Full Monty. The Full Monty is a funny film. It's a great comedy. How can you judge those in the same category? I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't no. agree with it. I, I yeah, they. I think they should be split up. Be also because I, there's just significantly more um, 
uh, comedy films in a year than there are musicals. So it's just like you're less likely to get a musical film nominated in that category even. Yeah, like, yeah it, it just, just doesn't seem fair. It seems a little bit disparate. Well, you know, you know what's going to happen this year. Hamilton's going to clean up and get all of the awards. So then all of the comedies are going to get like left by the wayside. Yeah. That's my prediction. That's, you know, Oscars 2021. That's my prediction. Let's see how that pans out. <laughs> Let's see how that pans um, out. But um, yeah, and also last point about awards. I will stop with the awards very, very soon. Can't remember what type of award that was, but this film won an award. Hank Azaria won an award for his performance as Bartok. Yeah, I was actually going to say- that, <laughs> He like, did win an award for that. Going back to uh, the story- this is uh, that ballroom scene is where you first introduced to Bartok the very Minnesotan sounding ba- uh, bat, albino bat. He's so funny. Like I, a lot I of don't it know. Is script, I want a lot of it is performance, and it's also the animation, the way he moves, and the way he looks. I, I want to know where Hank Azaria got that voice from. Like, did he just hear a Minnesotan on on like the plane plane ride flight to the audition and just be like? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to base this character off that. Well, it's just Hank Azaria has so many voices. He just, I think he just pulls them out of his head and just, he looks at the character and he just, well, I think they would sound like this. And he pulls the voice out of the air and it just, they needed the comic relief for this film. Like, Very there's, so. you know, as I've said, like, Rasputin's a scary villain and they do comedicize him a little bit, but his main thing is the, like, body horror and how gross he is which we get in the next kind of scene after we transition away from the the ballroom and we get our introduction to Rasputin as a living dead person and we get the villain song which is brilliant but we get introduced to him he's kind of you know spinning out going a little crazy he's like he loses a bit of his kind of malevolence because he's funny but because he's got this really grotesque body horror stuff which really grossed me out as a kid and it still does today you need Bartok to like temper that seriousness to keep it okay for a younger audience if your only villain interactions was Rasputin falling apart and abusing bugs which he does it just would be kind I think it would kind of be too scary for like younger kids yeah well I I do I like it is kind of nice that Bartok's like the like his his, his assistant as well, like like that dynamic is is just really I guess really well used. Yeah, he's yeah. he he does act like a kind of overworked PA. Yeah, um, I will say before we go on, the guy who voices Rasputin is Christopher Lloyd, who plays uh Doc, uh, the Doc, Doc Brown, yeah, in, and Uncle Fester. Yeah, in, in uh, so Back, Back to the Future, Future and Adam's Family, respectively. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he he does some great voice work. I don't really know what accent he was going for because it wasn't quite Russian, but it worked. And he's like, I loved his every time he got like kind of thwarted. He had the really strangle kind of noises that he was making. And it's just like, I just I would have loved to be a, be a fly on the wall in those recording sessions, just watching how he was doing all of those like weird noises and stuff that he makes. Yeah. I really enjoy that. It it was re- like honestly like hit, all the voice performances in this film were great. Yeah, yeah. everyone does such a good job yeah. with the the voice work in this film, and they really they they, they pick their voices really well. I mean, even the couple of lines we get from young Anastasia right at the beginning of the film that's Kirsten Dunst early yeah. career Kirsten Dunst which is pretty cool that um I, I will say like kind of also on on these like me on, on like the musical song uh scenes and stuff like that and one thing I did notice just again 
just with the visuals is sometimes that the um that this the lips didn't match up with the music or didn't uh, match up with the uh with the words so it just it, sometimes it did look a bit weird yeah again i'm not something i overly pick up on but maybe it's just because i watched so many animated films i'm kind of used to that yeah. like there's only you know so naturalistic uh 1997 animated mouth can look yeah going along with like a some you know performance but i love that just this this songs in this film follow all the tropes you've got the big exposition song at the beginning then you've got the like kind of what is my life like girl song you've got the really iconic villain song with lots of green and then you have oh this song is to have a montage and move time along <laughs> you know it's it they do all the right things with the music in this film and i could go on about just the music like forever but i want to talk a bit more about like actually the character of anya who is obviously anastasia but she doesn't know that yet when she first meets um dimitri and vlad conveniently standing right next to a portrait of herself yeah yeah (laughs) a bit a bit off but you know yeah i mean something i remember reading about this years ago there was something about how this film use like really pioneering technology to like digitize all these like real portraits and like get them into a format that they could use them in the film but i looked it up when i was doing my research for this episode and i couldn't find reference to it anywhere so maybe i made it up i have no idea but like i mean even still the paintings look great they're all based on real real portraits and real works of art and stuff and real um artifacts from the winter palace and things like that and really really good attention to detail on that on that side of it and I really enjoy it but anyway back to Anya so she's a really great protagonist I think like straight away she's like advocating for herself when Dimitri pronounces her name wrong she challenges him when he's like scrutinizing her making her feel uncomfortable she challenges him I just their their relationship gets off to a really good start and she's you know a really capable female protagonist obviously we see the, the the film that came out alongside this was the Little Mermaid, and Ariel is the the protagonist that's giving the given the least agency of pretty much any Disney film ever, other than maybe Sleeping Beauty. And next to next to Ariel, like obviously this film has a lot of nineteen ninety seven problems, but next to Ariel, Anastasia is a feminist icon. She really is. Fair enough. I, I guess the film so. takes away Ariel's voice straight away. She's just not even allowed to talk. Whereas Anastasia is, obviously, and uses her voice. And she's really active when, like, the train is going to crash. She's the one who's helping out while Vlad is being useless. Even though Dimitri's like, Vlad, do this. Vlad, do that. It's always Anya, like, handing him dynamite and giving him the chains and helping him with this. and Always ripping on on, on Dimitri as yeah. well. Which, which I, I really like uh, Vladimir's, like, little book where he's like, counting how many times uh like they're ripping on each other and anya's just completely decimating, decimating. Yeah, <laughs> that was good also vladimir kelsey grammar so fucking good yeah excellent casting i think Ke- oh, kelsey grammar is a true legend yeah a true legend um and yeah obviously so we then have the we've got the train sequence which is I mean, the animation for the um, when all of the little minion things come together into a big minion and blow up the bridge. That was really cool. Incredibly cool shot. Really, yeah. really like that. Honestly, the, the the they nailed all the perspectives, like throughout this whole like middle bit of the film, 
that was really cool. Like, I was really happy with that. But it's when they do anything with buildings in this film, they just fuck it up. Do you think it's because they're using real buildings? And it's like, we're trying to get everything about this building into this shot. And it's like, because this is a real place and look how much attention we've paid to it and look how, and we want to fully pay homage to it, but it doesn't translate massively well into the exact shot that they want. Yeah, I, I think that could play into it, but I do think it is just kind of like, I guess... I guess the way I look at it is like when you're using ultra, like a really, really ultra wide lens, um, you will get some distortion and stuff like that. Yeah. However, you can kind of correct for that and you can find angles where that, that is like that looks, that has less of an effect. Mm. It kind of thinks, I think they were just like, okay, well we've got the, since we have this medium of, um, it's it. We've got a little bit more freedom and a little bit more ability to do with what we want. I think they just yeah tried to cram way too much into the frame, and yeah. it, it it did. It they didn't think about the perspective of how everything sat, so it did, and and the angle at which like yeah, well because I've I've got a, I've just like got to observe that it's just the the scenes that you seem to have the main kind of problems with this in are the ones where it's like, oh, we, this is meant to be St. Petersburg. This is the Winter Palace. This is inside the Winter Palace. Whereas when it's just, oh, this is just a train. This is just the mountains. This is just the countryside. This is, you know, generic boat, generic whatever. They have the perspective. Like, it's yeah. a lot better. Yeah. Because maybe because they're just able to just make it up and they're not, like, feeling pressure to be like, I want to capture every detail of this building. Well, yeah, the, the, that is also the case. Also, like... That they they nail the like lighting sources a, a lot lot better on in these exterior scenes as well. Like on the interior scenes, they also like the lighting doesn't make sense always. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, it's an animated film, but you you still expect like you can always kind of like when you watch a film, you kind of can work out like what looks natural, what looks unnatural, and some of the interior scenes just kind of look specifically more towards the beginning look a bit off. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean. Like, again, I think that's just a feature of animated films yeah. rather than something specifically flawed that this film did. But no, I can I can see where you're coming from, for sure. Um, the next kind of big... Obviously, we get the um, If I Can Learn To Do It kind of montage song. This is how we're moving time forward kind of uh, sequence, which, you know, I love it. It's chirp- chirpy. It's cheerful. You, you learn a bit more about, like, Vlad's backstory, which is really cool and interesting. Um, like, he's he's kind of elevated a little i like that everybody gets a bit of context in this film yeah like he's elevated to like more than just dimitri's dumb fat friend which i I appreciate and you get loads of stuff with the dog being really cute and then they're on the bus and she's learning stuff about and we get our first hints that she's starting to remember stuff about being anastasia and then we get the sequence on the boat which huge I will say, like the, the the giving them context kind of makes them feel like they're not villains, like they're not like conmen. It it like it kind of makes them more, like it it, it makes them have, feel a bit more real and a bit more like yeah. you can understand them. Like it humanizes them a lot more. Yeah, because I mean, with Dimitri, we haven't really talked about him very much yet because, um, 
I don't know. I prefer Anastasia. She's just a better character. But anyway, we obviously get his context when we get Anastasia's because he's in the flashback. We don't have to have his like backstory explained because we've seen it. But the first time we meet him as an adult, he's like, I'm going to con this old lady. He's like singing really loudly about how he's going to con this old lady out of all of her money. And, you know, because you know his like kind of background, you kind of forgive him like he is an irredeemably bad character like all the way through the film until he gets this little third act redemption arc like he's rude to Anya all the time he is conspiring to steal this old lady's money he's lying to Anya he was like using forged papers to get on the train he kidnaps the dowager empress and like he manhandles Anya to the point where she like slaps him and then he redeems himself slightly by like falling in love with her and then refusing the money. Yeah. And then saving her life. But she also saves him. I just, yeah, you, you can't think too hard about the character of Dimitri because he's kind of not, not a good character. Like I think they, they could have been more effort made to redeem him a bit more. Like falling in love with the target of one of your cons is not absolution. It's not, like, worth redeeming all of the bad stuff you did. Anyway, yeah, I distracted myself because I was meant to be talking about the the boat scene. But, um, like, honestly, it's partly because I think I just know this film so well. I've been, you know, watching it regularly since I was probably three or four or five years old. And it's, it's just, I know so much about it that I've got opinions on everything. So, um, yeah, let's get away. Well, actually, we can... Like, I think Dimitri's redemption arc sort of starts on the boat when he rescues Anya and she's, like, clearly really shaken and scared and he, like, kind of comforts her in that moment. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of on the boat that I find really compelling and interesting, starting right from when they kind of get on and they're having that first, you know, dancing scene on the deck. Yeah, that that scene is really really good and kind of like it it's it's a really good like establishing like the like the the change in their dynamic yeah, yeah definitely yeah. i will say though i did notice um vladimir's hat kept on changing color yeah i mean i think again it's it's what you is coming off what you said earlier yeah. about the lighting they couldn't decide what the lighting would look like reflecting on his hat somehow but it's not a shiny well, hat. <laughs> I mean, it, it changes from red to blue, so, and it's pretty drastic color change. Yeah, well, I think it's because it's like, oh well, the sun is setting, so the light is different. It wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change <laughs> no, it. Those I colors. Know. I, I, I think they got, that was the thought that went into that. But yeah, um, this is the point where we start getting like some really iconic costume changes because yeah. I, I love the costume changes in this film. Anya wears some amazing outfits that, as a kid, were all I wanted to own. But um, she so he hands her the dress. She does a big costume change into a dress that is definitely the same color as the dress as the dress she was handed. But uh, the dress she was handed had longer sleeves, frilly elbows, and a big white collar. Maybe she's a seamstress. <laughs> yeah. Did was there a scene that we missed where her and the dog are like working on the dress and making it? better because like snow white style yeah like snow white or cinderella style yeah like are we are we to assume that she just changed it because she didn't like it but it's like that is not 
hinted at enough and it's just it's just fully a different dress <laughs> did vladimir change hats between the shots maybe that's what he was doing yeah maybe he was just picking up a different one like a secret under one from under the bench or maybe he had or maybe it's like one of the reversible ones <laughs> every time just... the camera changes <laughs> yep. he's turning it inside out oh that's funny cheeky bastard but yeah. yeah and then yeah. like you say we get this dancing scene which is their kind of shorthand for showing like demonstrating really clearly and easily like the the change in their relationship dynamic and um then we get the the kind of storm and like nightmare sequence yeah i i really liked the way that the nightmare sequence was done just because it 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 felt like you get the interspersed like okay like the shots of her in reality and then the nightmare so and it was so well like matched like the shot 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 matches uh like where it's just like it's it like you got this like crazy fantasy uh bit and then right after that you get the context you know and she's in the same position and stuff like that yeah really good match cuts and it's just it's just so so masterful yeah i would agree it's like a proper like work of art really really good sequence and again this is one i used to have like a lot of nightmares as a kid and so this was a particularly scary scene for me when I was younger because I was always terrified of the day that I would have such a bad dream that it made me jump out of a window or something. I was, yeah, maybe oh. I shouldn't have been watching this movie when I was that young. <laughs> no, it's like, it's it's a truly chilling scene because obviously you've got Rasputin, this kind of very like tangible villain that we can, you know, beat up with our fists and he's clearly like a demon man but this is like oh he's like in her head and it like making her almost kill herself yeah. and it's so sinister especially for like a kids movie but it's a really really scary scene but god it's so well done yeah yeah the music the like the score underneath it was really really good as well and i really love the um when you get the kind of zoomed out shots of the boat and the waves yeah and how that looked it's just so well, artistic well and, and like the use to uses of, uh uses of angles as well like just to really highlight um highlight the peril and highlight like how like th- like how the scene is unfolding that yeah. that, like, that was really well done the, like pitch and, and roll of the deck and everything I, I will say this is a aspect where disney films of this era could have done better i guess so in some ways they did better uh fox did better with this but, yeah, yeah i mean it's just the way that it's like the, the movement i guess disney does really well with like dynamic kind of character movement and so does this you know everyone is in motion all the time there's no like unnatural stillness but this does a re- this sequence especially does a really good job of like oh the scenery and every all of the elements in this are moving in this kind of really chaotic unison it's really like oh it's just really good viewing i just think it's a really great sequence so yeah then after this the you they arrive in paris and you kind of get like this whole different vibe as soon as you get off the boat it's just very expressionist very happy looking like well yeah i mean we get we we cut from the boat to the scene of um it's established, like it's kind of important plot-wise, that the Empress doesn't want to see any more potential Anastasias. And it's like, oh no, because we're about to introduce her to one. And um, I think the scene you're referring to is the Paris holds the key to your heart yeah, song yeah. 
shopping sequence. Another iconic outfit uh, worn by Anastasia at this point. I'm sorry I'm so hung up on all the outfits. It's just that me and my sister had Barbie dolls. We had three Barbie dolls of Anastasia when we were kids. We had one of the Once Upon December yellow dress. We had one of the Paris Opera blue dress and one in her like orphan coat dress thing. And I always wanted one with the little, you know, chic purple dress that she wears in this sequence. So yeah, I'm hung up on the dresses because I had them all as Barbie clothes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, one thing I did like about um, the kind of this expressionist scene was like the amount of detail that they put into it, just like stippling like every little bit of the background and it just it really really popped yeah i mean it's it's really cool because they do the part where they step into the painting yeah and then they commit to that yeah exactly and and that really kind of like it it they use it to comedic effect in some in some aspects and that was that was just really good and really cool and like again they messed with perspective a bit and it didn't always land but it still was good yeah it's a very fun like lively sequence to kind of lift you up after like the potential disappointment of being like oh maybe Anya's not going to be able to see her grandma and you know preceding that the um the obvious tension of the of the boat scene you get this really colorful as you say really kind of lifted happy scene another like similar to the kind of first song we get in the film big like flash mob everyone knows the words kind of but what i really like there's a point right at the beginning they first start like all singing and dancing like sophie kind of starts the song vlad and anya kind of start dancing along and dimitri looks at them all throws up his hands and walks off <laughs> it's yeah. really good it's like there's gotta be there should always be a guy in the musical going why is everybody singing how do you know all the words yeah, yeah. but uh they're yeah and he plays that guy right until the kind of end of the song where he gets his little solo part and what did you think about the shot where he's holding the champagne glass and Anya and the other like kind of background people are like dancing in the reflection of it because I thought that was pretty yeah, cool that that was quite cool yeah like that that was I I I really like when reflections are used in film. That was yeah. that, that was that was quite. I've not seen a animated film that really used yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, was, I was about to say that it's not something you really see in animated yeah. films, which is why I kind of brought it up. I thought it might be something you'd have noticed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of this joy happens. Then we go to the uh, oh, it's not the opera. Is it the blue dresses? The when she goes to the ballet, we go the to Russian the ballet. ballet. The Russian ballet is in town. Um, she wears that iconic blue evening dress and again as a child I was like well why don't all of my clothes have like a see-through cape attached to them at all times I I think I'm still in that mindset to be honest but um, yeah iconic fashions iconic it's especially cool because like obviously a lot of your Disney princesses and stuff get one dress that they get to wear or they get like one dress and then they change into their real princess dress at the end you know i'm thinking of like Belle. she has her blue dress all the way through the film and then for that one scene she gets the gold dress and then like sleeping beauty has the kind of peasant dress while she's like in the woods and stuff and then right at the end she gets the pink slash blue dress that she ends up dancing with the prince in they get their dress for the whole film and then they get the dress they get to dance with the prince in but in this one she gets so many costume changes and I love it. Um, it's almost like, you know, 
she had more than one set of clothes right that that would last her the the span of like probably what would have a trip that would have probably taken about two or three weeks i mean stay in the same clothes right and also oh they go shopping and there is like evidence that they've been shopping she has two new dresses um but yeah then obviously we get the whole reconciliation with the grandma after the ballet and her falling out with dimitri realizing he's a terrible con man she slaps him then he kidnaps the grandma which wild absolutely wild move he just was like ballsy jumps in before her chauffeur can get in the car and just drives away with her um but it pays off because she goes up and meets anastasia and is like oh you're my granddaughter but what i love the most about this is she gets the kind of the memory triggered by smelling the peppermint which i will actually say is a really good move on the story's part because your sense of smell is the sense that is most tied to memory smells can trigger really really strong memories really really easily Mm -hmm. so that was a cool move but then after that when it's like established that they're definitely they've done the whole music box thing and it goes to she's she's sitting in like those pink pajamas and they're kind of talking about the past and stuff she goes huh i remember now like she suddenly just oh i smell peppermint and now i don't have amnesia anymore at all yeah i think it would be more of a um gradual thing rather than just a right just quick, quick ending like on that on that front um i mean speaking of endings like it it, it is kind of like weird to me that like it the ending did kind of feel a bit rushed in a way like yes and no because i mean the, the the ending of the movie like anastasia reconciling with her grandmother being reinstated as the kind of princess that she is and like wearing the beautiful dress and having the crown on and everything has already happened dimitri's you know refused the money become this noble person the only loose end we need to tie up is rasputin yeah yeah but i i I guess like the big bad fight you know tends to last like a few minutes like like about in about five minutes i don't know it, like it felt like that whole sequence was over in like less than a minute it just kind of it, it had that feel to it i feel like they almost beat him a bit too easy to be honest i'm i don't have a problem with that because i think no. it would have made the movie too long that, 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 that's fair that's fair it keeps it to like almost a tight 90 minutes which i appreciate yeah um but yeah so did we get we get rasputin obviously comes back tries to kill anastasia unleashes the full power of his infernal reliquary thing like brings a horse to life i mean my main gripe with that is stone horse i think yeah yeah yeah. yeah. brings the big stone horse with with wings to life but it would have been cool we've seen him do loads of stuff but mostly it's unleashing his minions to do things like set fire to trains and blow up bridges and fuse the bolts of the carriages together and things and like listen in on their conversations and we've seen him you know through the kind of portal that he's like watching her through like infiltrate her dreams without the use of his minion things where in all of that is he able to animate stone (laughs) and control it magic i don't I, 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 i really really don't know like i I, I think you're just meant to th- think because he's like the fact that he's a reanimated corpse. Yeah, I he's guess. clearly sold his soul to the devil, so therefore he can do literally anything. Yeah. 
which is pretty fun. But then I, what I like about the fight scene is, you know, Dimitri rushes in to save her, but gets knocked on his ass. She saves him, then he saves her again, then she saves him again. And there's a lot of given, like, it's not just like, oh, she is thrown out of the fight and he defeats the bad guy because he's the man. It's very much she wins. She defeats him at the end, like by cracking the reliquary under her very cool shoes and does it like she's like, I'm doing this for my family and I'm doing this for Dimitri and I'm doing it for me. And I think that's really cool. And I'm really glad that I had that this film is like a formative influence on me. Yeah. I mean, given all this, how would you rate this film? Eight. Eight out of ten. I would go with a good. I. I'd probably go with like a six point five or a seven for me, but, I mean, I, I'm leaning towards seven just because it's it is quite good. It's got a fucking amazing cast. It's a good film that you can just kind of like toss throw on and just kind of like it, it's just a really good like kind of like feel good leisurely watching kind of watch see i wouldn't even go for it being like a feel good there's a lot of like heavy hitting kind of things in here and it's got like especially for an animated film it's got some quite heavy themes it's just yeah, yeah, good. yeah. i think that you can depending on like which bits you want to tune into and which bits you want to focus on if you're like re-watching it multiple times you can get a really different experience of it every time you watch yeah, it. yeah yeah I, I i guess it's something that i wouldn't mind putting on and just kind of like like having it on in the background and just kind of like like listening to it because it's it's a familiar like I guess it's a familiar story, like I you like I be I guess because I've seen it so many times it's just kind of like yeah yeah I just think it's it does a really good job it's like art there's music the performances are incredible it's like a good story the characters are really compelling yeah I just I really like this movie yeah. and then at the end when <laughs> just the last thing they elope still wearing the clothes that they just defeated Rasputin and they literally come straight from that fight and just go right we're off we're gonna dance on a boat end of film yeah <laughs> it's yeah. crazy <laughs> very funny though but um yeah so clearly we really love this film but uh let's see what we're gonna think of next week's film very big genre shift here we're covering John Landis's Animal House yep one of my one of my all-time favorite films <laughs> <laughs> one I've never seen again, even though it's in our collection. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed our episode on Anastasia. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Music was Potato Deal by Craig MacArthur. The photo used for our cover is by Rodolfo Clicks. Audio editing's by Ryan DeRoges, and this podcast was produced by Laura and Ryan DeRoges. Find us on Twitter at All's Fair Podcast, on Instagram at All's Fair and Love and Film, or email us at All's Fair and Love and Film at gmail.com. <laughs>